When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to St James's Park. Newcastle United have just drawn 1-1 with Watford in the final game before the first international break of the new season. Lee, it wasn't a classic by any means. No, definitely not. I think they started, it was a really sloppy start from Newcastle. I, I don't know if going into the back, from the back of the Tottenham game, I know they obviously played Leicester in midweek, but uh, the majority of the team who played at Tottenham started today. And I just don't know if they got maybe a little bit too uh, too assured about things and started this one really, as I say, sloppily and maybe they expected things to come to them, just everything to drop into place for them and sadly that's never the case in football and Watford were like right in the faces from the offset. Got a great start after 80 seconds and then, you know, you did worry for Newcastle after that because Watford created numerous other chances they could have been two or three up uh, and it was it was concerning it was concerning to watch uh, how Newcastle could quickly go from this team at Tottenham who kept everybody out to a team that looked so leaky in defence but uh, by the end of the half they'd managed to get back into it get back on top of things Fabian Schur getting the equaliser and then second half really you just hoped that they had the platform to go on uh, but they couldn't they couldn't find that finish and you know, sadly in the Premier League, it's it's fine margins. So they leave here tonight with probably mixed mixed emotions. I think mixed is the right word, isn't it? Because a lot of people saying, well, Newcastle could have won that game. They had a few chances. Watford could have won the game. I mean, Dubravka had to pull off quite a, a number of, of good saves. Of course, you know, Ben Foster had to pull off a, a brilliant save from Isaac Hayden in the second half. But for you, was a draw a fair result? Uh, just about, I would say. I think maybe the league table is a bit deceptive at this stage of the season. It is still early doors. Uh, Watford aren't, aren't as bad as their position suggested before the game. Uh, they finished 11th last season, got the FA Cup final. If you're a bad side and a bad manager, that, that simply doesn't happen. So on another day, uh, this this might have looked like a better result. It's just the fact Newcastle went into it after a fantastic effort at Tottenham and you know with Watford at the bottom of the league so I think the dust needs to settle a bit now four points from 12 it's certainly not the best but you know you look at Norwich who looked like they were flying just two weeks ago and now Newcastle got one more point than them so that shows you the the craziness of this league and yes it's a tough game coming up against Liverpool next but I think four points from 12 isn't isn't too bad Castle, especially in the first half, seemed to be kind of shooting themselves in the foot. There was a few uh, examples where they tried to play their way out of defence and Lascelles got caught, then Hayden got caught, and they were quite fortunate not to be punished for that. What do you think that was? Do you think that was just an off day? Was that them maybe not understanding the instructions? I mean, what's your take on, on what happened there? Well, there did seem to be a sense of like anxiety around the place in certain situations and uh, I know exactly what you're saying on, on a couple of couple of occasions uh, there was that kind of like they were snatching at things and there was an occasion in the first half where they won a free kick and Sean Longstaff 
to me looked like he was the designated taker of free kicks today. Uh, but then Willems and Atsu try to take quickly and no one quite seemed to be reading off the same page all the way through the game. So look, the second half was unlucky the way um, they couldn't find that finish and a proven you know, goal score at Premier League level might have got on the end of one of them, crosses that one in the box. But at the minute, you know, Joel Linton is still finding his feet in English football. I know he scored at Spurs last week, but today was a great chance to follow that up. And Miguel Almiron things, it, I wouldn't say go from bad to worse because he's still getting in the positions, but if ever a man needed a goal at the moment, it's him. Let's talk about the chance Almiron had. I mean, surely that's a first-time effort and that's in the back of the net. It's a cross from the left uh, by Atu. Uh, the defender misses it and Almiron is, is, what, seven, eight yards out of goal? Ben Foster's the only man in front of him and he decides to take a touch rather than hit the first time and Ben Foster can can clear it. I mean, come on, what way? Yeah. Do you agree? One touch and that's in? Well, I think one touch and it's in if you're a natural striker, but he's not He's not a natural striker. He's not a, He's not an out-and-out centre-forward. He's, he's more of a, for me, he's more of a creative player who can play out wide, who can play in the sort of number 10 or play in the hole, whatever you want to call it. But he's not an out and out number nine. Now, you know, going down the years, some of the class number nines this club has had, um, they would have been begging for a chance like that. But sadly, he wasn't able to finish. And then, sadly, things seemed to spiral for him after that and wasn't his best game at the day. He looks great when he's on the ball and running at the defence. But sadly, in those split second chances where you've got to. You've got to finish. He just couldn't take it, and it was uh, it was it was just desperately disappointing. And as I say, the sooner he gets a goal, the better. And then people are talking about something else. Just been joined by Mark Douglas as well. We'll get both of your guys' opinion on this. The crowd, uh, forty-four thousand one hundred and fifty-seven, mm. the lowest since December two thousand twelve, uh, which was a three-nil win against Wigan. Um, that was on the back of four straight defeats. Today. It was noticeable, large parts of the leases was empty, large parts all around the ground, several rows of seats. First of all, your take on kind of how it looked, but also what do you think Mike Ashley will be thinking when he sees those pictures? Well, the reality is, is that Newcastle have, have tested the patience of a, a lot of supporters in the last six months, uh, particularly with the Rafa Benitez contract uh, situation and bringing in Steve Bruce, who you know, wasn't a popular choice for a lot of fans. So the reality is is that people are voting with their feet and they're entitled to do that and I think really it it's a reflection of a build up of things. Um that I'd say the political situation, Rafa and then today the um, the, the final part of that process is the empty seats. So they're gonna have to win a lot of games for it to, to be a full house again. For you, Mark, because obviously against Arsenal there was talk of a boycott. That happened for certain fans, but there was still, I think it was 47,000 turned up. Today, no talk of a boycott, no mention of you know any protest movements, and yet we saw really your crowd. So is that more concerning for Mike Ashley because it's come on the back of no movement? Well, I mean, the, the big question for me is, will Mike Ashley care? And that And that has been, I think, a big problem for the football club in that they haven't, you know, or at the very top, I don't think they have listened to the supporters. They haven't, you know, they've they've been a little bit. I think it's fair to say, tone deaf um, in in a lot of ways. You know, the summer, as I said on a previous podcast, did diminish this this club 
more than maybe some people realise because it um, you know it had a, a lasting impact for a lot of people who've been coming for years and years and years. I mean, we we talked to them before the Arsenal game, and you know, it's it's obviously it's still a fantastic gate, isn't it, for a Premier League club? It's still more than they had at Chelsea, for example, but it's noticeable. And I think what's noticeable as well is the atmosphere is not as good. The atmosphere is not as um, it's not as loud. It's it's quite flat, and I think you can tell that quite a lot of the fans who've left are the ones maybe making some of them were the ones making the noise. So it, it should be a massive concern, um, and it's it's a it's a sort of another sign to the club that they've got an, a hell of a lot of work to do to to get a lot of those fans back on side. I mean, a lot of them say they will never come back under Mike Ashley, um, you know, and and that to me would be hugely concerning um, I know there are people at the club who, who you know are going to try and um, change people's minds by doing things but you know we heard Lee Charnley do his notes in the first for the first game he obviously has spoken a little bit since then but you know there has to be a process a long-term process they have to invest they have to you know doing things like I mean you know Mike Ashley said in the Daily Mail interview about pledging some money for the training ground well we haven't heard anything about that since we haven't heard them you know, they haven't engaged yet with supporters there's a hell of a lot of things they're going to have to do to get the, those fans back on board and, and I always said the biggest worry that the club would have is not necessarily the people who you know make a lot of noise on social media because a lot of them have been making a lot of noise on social media for a long time it's actually when um, we get basically apathy and I think that's that's been the problem a lot of people if you're not motivated enough to come to the games anymore um, that's the big problem because you've got some people making a stand but they have been making you know there's been a lot of people who've made stands over the years but they've been filled by other people who have felt sufficiently enthused by things like Rafa and you know and, and some of the players and things and, and, and we're just not seeing that now and that is I mean for me it's hugely concerning hugely hugely concerning because there's no way that after they beat Spurs if people were happy with what was going on at the football club there would have been 48, 49, 50,000 mean, they, they hardly ever went below 50,000 when Rafa was here a huge concern for me For you Lee did it shock you to see the, the gaps at the stadium? No I wasn't shocked I mean I've seen the football club kind of it kind of like goes it, it can go in cycles I mean it, consistently the crowds are high but you know there is some ups and downs and sometimes you know in the past I mean you, you go back to the late the sort of late 80s early 90s where the club was on a on a lull, and then Kevin Keegan comes back, and then it explodes. Everything explodes into life, and the excitement is there again. It had there has to be something that sparks that excitement. At the minute, you're looking on the pitch today. You're relying on your centre half to get drag you back into the game, um, and unfortunately, we're looking at four points from twelve. And saying, oh, well, it's not bad. It's it's a satisfactory return. It's not bad, but. It's not exciting, is it? You know, and you go to Liverpool in the next game, and it's frightening. I mean, Liverpool are already destroying Burnley at the moment, as we speak, and there's going to have to be uh, probably need to park two buses to get at Anfield to get something, you know, in the next game. So, I'd, look, it's 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 about what happens on the pitch, and that sparks excitement, and that brings people back, and that gets people singing, you know, in the stands. And at the minute, sadly, there's not really too much to sing about we hope you've enjoyed this episode so far just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through itunes spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through zombie club is the term that a fan supporters group um have just issued a statement saying under ashley it is becoming a zombie club 
is that a fair uh, resemblance of what's going on? Um, well, it depends who you ask. If you if you speak to the club, they'll 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 contend that that's that's not the case, and they'll say you know that things are are happening and things are changing, and they are and they are trying to sort of move on from the Rafa um, from the Rafa kind of fallout of the summer. But I can see why fans why fans feel that way. You know, they they, they haven't seen enough evidence of ambition at the football club for a long time. You know, um, like Lee says, there it's you know it's a measure of how low expectations have gone that I'm sitting here saying actually you know it's not been a bad start to the season. They're out of the League Cup. Um, we were happy with a good performance on on Wednesday. But they got knocked out. Um, they've drawn with Watford today. You know, and and we are where we are at the football club. So, is it a zombie club? Well, I suppose the zombie thing is a, is an emotive word, isn't it? So, um, I, I think you're going to need to you need to see profound changes in the way that the football club operates to get to get people back on board. And 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 you know, the problem is it, it, it's not just. And I understand the zombie club thing is it. What the people who run the football club need to understand is that the summer was hugely damaging because it wasn't just. Rafa leaving it was this takeover thing that we've seen three times now and they haven't really communicated that particularly but that's that's annoyed people um you know losing players like um not you know bringing people in and maybe you know not telling their story particularly well you know the manager who, who I think is actually you know you can see some encouraging signs from from this team um in in some ways but you know we have to be honest it's not a manager that you know, is going to excite people. He's got a chance to turn people's expectations around, but it's it, you know, there's so many things. I mean, to talk about a zombie club, it's it's we're talking, you know, Rafa being here and and, and being at com- in conflict with the club for three years is going to have a massive impact because people trusted him, and they don't trust the people in charge of the football club. So, you know, for me, um, ah. A zombie club. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose they have broken the transfer record twice in the last uh, two transfer windows. But I'm gonna, you know, you have to see more investment in the next transfer window, and then more after that. And then, you know, I'd like to see the training ground upgraded. I'd like to see investment in things, you know, that are going to improve the football club rather than this feeling that they're just kind of chasing. Um, and, and it's difficult. Look, don't get me wrong. It's difficult at the moment. You can see what's happening in the Premier League, and there's there's big changes coming around the corner with the, this European Super League kind of concept and things that are going to change the Premier League forever. And and a lot of clubs are going to find themselves in Newcastle's boat, where it's very difficult to kind of be sort of sensible in a way and manage fans' expectations. But you've got to take the fans on board, and they just didn't say enough. They didn't communicate well enough in the summer. They didn't. You know that there were so many things that, were, that that just could have been handled better in the summer, and losing Rafa was was huge. Um, but that's the problem, isn't it? What? How do we? How, for us, it's difficult because you. Sort of, how do you? How do you? How do you reconcile supporting Newcastle United with where they are as a football club at the moment? And it's like Lee said, until they until you see signs that they're moving forward, it's going to be really difficult. And, and that's going to happen over a year, two years. That's the only way. But forty-five thousand on a second, forty-four thousand the second game. They're bright next at home. Well, they're not going to bring many, are they? That's not going to excite too many people because they're going to lose at Liverpool. You would think. So it could be another low one for that game as well. They, Newcastle need to think about what they're going to do. They need to really think about what they're going to do to try and get people around. They can't just sit back and say, "Well, it's up to people not to come if they don't want." Back onto the pitch, Lee. Just finally from yourself. Let's talk about a couple of positives. Um, Christian Atsu again showing that 
you know, he could be a first, uh, one of the first, uh, a first, a member of the first team, rather. Um, he very nearly got um, got a goal. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, uh, you know, you have to look at Christian Atsu as a player that, you know, can excite the fans. Uh, he done that today. Um, sadly, you know, couldn't get a goal when that Willems cross came in the box. It was a great, great chance. A great bit of play it was as well. I mean, there must have been four or five. Yeah. One touch, little. I mean, that, and that's the positives I think Marks might prefer to. We are seeing glimpses of this great bit of counter-attacking football that that you know we saw with that that example there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the typical thing is tonight you'll have, you know, people will be having a couple of pints tonight in Newcastle, and will, will the glass be half full or will it be half empty? And you know, you, when they sit down and watch the game again, there was some some nice passages of play, but it's just results are just the. The huge thing in football, and if you don't get them, um, it gives the critics some somewhere to go, and that's what the critics have got after this start, and they've got two weeks to to, to get really stuck. It could have been a lot worse, by the way, but uh, you know, there were there were positives. You can't deny that. Thirteen goal attempts. Um, Newcastle looked comfortable on the ball. Dubravka again popping up when they needed him. So there are there is plenty to build on. Let's not get. Let's not get too down about this. It's it. There is stuff there, but you know, the forty-four thousand. If it, that is a different question, how do you track them back? With what is on offer at the minute, is probably not quite enough to to get people to reverse that. And let's be honest, these are big decisions people make to walk away from your football club and vow not to return until the change of owner. That is a big decision to make. People haven't made these decisions lightly. You know that the 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 family income and everything. It has swung around this decision, um, and they made a big one. So, look, it's as Mark says, the, the, there is room for improvement in terms of how things uh, are, are done at the club. Thank you very much, Lee. Just a couple more questions for yourself, Mark, Mark Ritchie missing today. Um, I felt that the team was lacking a huge bit of communication. It was so quiet today that you can often hear the players mm. talking and. Barking instructions at one another, but I, I didn't really hear that today. Is that something you share? Or, I mean, what, what was your analysis of um, kind of the communication on the pitch today? I think I think it's a new team. You know, it's a, it's a really new team. Um, there's a lot of combinations there that, that are relatively new. You know, I, I think there's a few players. I mean, I actually thought there were real areas of encouragement in the in the last week for Newcastle. You know, because we were worried after Norwich that, that it was it was going to be a really bad season. A few areas of encouragement, but they are a really new team. They've got they have Willems, Kraft, um, and Jolinton playing today, who are all new, all new to the country, um, all new, all new there. So I, I do think you know, yeah, yeah, they miss they miss Richie. You will miss Richie because he's cause he's like a he's a whirling dervish, isn't he? He's a big, he's an energetic person and a big character who drives people on. Um, so so I think they did miss him. Um, but there is leadership in that team, and you know I, I, what I do like about about Newcastle at the moment is the character that they've got. You know, that's twice in a week they've come back from behind. Um, they showed a load of character at Spurs as well. I thought today, you know, you take it in isolation today. They'd, they could, they've lost games like that in the last three seasons, like easily. They they lost to Bournemouth and Watford in the first season. They came back up. They lost last season to Brighton in a very similar kind of game, um, and they you know they, I think. You take you take a point when it's a little bit you know it's a little bit topsy turvy and given the start they had, I think you would have taken a point after twenty five minutes because they were they were starting to struggle a bit there, 
Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think it, it you know what you what you find when you kind of do make as many changes as they made over the summer, it will take a while for them to get to get going. You know, they had a very small, very short window in pre-season, and um, it is going to be a season of transition probably for Newcastle United if they stay up and they're comfortable staying up, and then maybe have a bit of a run in the FA Cup. That would be a big success for, for Newcastle this season. I mean, that would maybe convince a few of the people who are staying away, although, you know, as we said, the others might, might be, uh, might be, it might be more profound there. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I don't think the, the football on offer is too, is too bad. I mean, there have been moments in all of the home games, in both of the home games so far, where you're getting worried about that they look a bit ragged. But then, you know, today there was some moments of encouragement. And, and if Almir on a brought a shooting boots, they would have, they would have, you know, they would have probably won today. So, from that perspective, not not too bad, but you know, big big game coming up uh, in three weeks' time against Brighton, where they need to pick pick up something from that. Let's talk about the number nine, Joe Linton. He's increasingly looking more and more comfortable mm. um, in the Premier League. Again, showing not just his attacking ability but defensive ability. Today, there was a moment where he won the ball um, just outside of Newcastle's own box uh, and set someone away. I can't quite remember who, who it was, but it was a great bit of defensive. It was Muto, yeah. yeah, and then Muto fired into the side netting. Um, great bit of defensive work there, and he, he does. He looks like he is very comfortable in the Premier League and able to handle himself. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him gamble a little bit more, get in the box a little bit more. There were a couple of really inviting crosses that went in today. Um, and I think one of them Muto missed the other one I think it was uh, was it Almiron you know you'd like him to be in those positions um, he just maybe needs to gamble a little bit more um, and get and get on the end of some crosses do you, um, do you think he's dropping too yeah, far back? he's definitely dropping deep you can see it um, and, and that's fine in the games like Spurs when it's just about counter-attack um, but you wonder today whether you just want him to let, hang on the defender's shoulder a little bit more. Um, but it's obviously a tactic, isn't it? It's obviously something they've, th- they've thought about. Um, and, you know, again, I worry, I worry about how, where, they, where the goals are going to come from. Because they've only scored three times this season in the Premier League in four games. Um, so that's not, that's not going to be enough because one of them was a consolation against, uh, against Norwich. But you kind of hope there's a lot resting on the shoulders of Andy Carroll isn't there, to come back and I have my worries about whether we're going to see much of him um, but hopefully we will and then Dwight Gale obviously coming back as well the, the, one of the things that I think is a worry at the moment is that there's not much off the benches there I mean Mutu came on today obviously had that big chance to, to kind of win it um, and he's looked alright in spells as Mutu um, but there's not a lot on the bench at the moment they haven't got a lot of you know they've got a lot of injuries obviously but they haven't got a lot on the bench um, but you know, again, you've got some maximum to come back. You've got Carol and Gail, um, Richie to come back into this team as well. So there's, you know, there's, it's not all doom and gloom um, in terms of on the pitch. But I, I just, I just feel like you know, there's so much. It, what happened in the summer has had an impact. I keep coming back to it. Has had an impact on this football club. You can tell it feels diminished by what happened in the summer and there's a lot of work to do um, and you know I, d- I do feel that while there are some elements of real optimism there's, there's a long way to go long way to go So you mentioned there a lot of work to do um, and you need to think careful about what to do next to attract those who've stayed away back to St James's Park it's a little bit easier to do that in the, um, in, the in the transfer market obviously we're a few months away from the transfer market so how do they do that in between now and then is it simply just Winning games? Well, they need to win games. Um, they need to engage with supporters. By that, I mean communicate. So um, the owner, I think, needs to 
needs to speak a bit more. They need to, I mean, to be honest, the problem is we, we could talk about engage and communicate, but because there's this uncertainty around what they say and a lot of people just don't believe everything they say, really, in between the true transfer markets, what they need to do is announce plans to basically improve the football club's infrastructure. So I think something like, for example, the training ground and looking at that would sort of be something that a lot of people would would look at and say okay well that's something you know we've got some money for that and you know the owner did say in his interview with the daily mail that he had offered that to Rafa. he said he was going to put some money into for the jolinton transfer which didn't happen in the end so maybe you can funnel that money into the training ground that would be something i think that you could you could look at um, money for the training ground you know it's it's investment it's investment is the only thing that's going to that's going to get people sort of looking at it again basically a total sea change in the attitude to the football club you know that that's going that's going to be the, that is going to be the key um and i just don't know whether that's going to happen um but they need you know they need to talk they need to they need to listen as well um it'll be baby steps i think at the moment you know because they are trying to do a few little things behind the scenes i think um but you know this whole thing of the ownership really i mean you know let's be honest the, the one way that they could turn things around is by selling the football club to somebody with 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 money um to to invest that's the that would probably be the one the one way that they would they could change things in an instant, but they're not going to do that. I don't think anytime soon, even though it's still for sale. Um, so you know, I mean, I think the training ground is 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 one area where if they put some money into that and started looking into that, started running something where they could do that. But it doesn't sound like that's particularly close. It doesn't sound like it's something that they they've thought about at the moment. So yeah, win games would be the only thing that they could do really. Um, but they need to you know, they need to communicate. I would get out there and start talking to fans. I would send the hierarchy out there, talking to fans, listening to fans, getting the fans' questions, um, and and starting to try and you know convince people that they've got nothing to hide. Um, but you know, they might feel that they can't win things around, so they'll just say, "Well, we'll just have to prove it by investing in players and um, and winning games." I mean, this is the big, the big, big worry, isn't it, for for the football club that it's apathy will take over. And people, you know, it'll be 43, 44,000 rather than 50, 51, 52, um, as long as Mike Ashley's still here. And given that he said he could see himself owning the football club forever, where do you, where do you go? We know that there's a massive yearning in the city for a club that is successful, ambitious, communicates with supporters, works well in the community. Um, and it's a big, big, it'd have to take a big, big changes, I think, from the top. Um, to convince people that, that that that's going to happen anytime soon, um, and we have to accept that there's a lot of people who just think that while Steve Bruce is here, they've they've got a yes man in charge. Which, you know, the only way you can turn that around is by winning games and getting players in who he wants. So, joined here by Kieran Kelly to wrap up the podcast. Let's talk about Martin Dubravka. Then we know how good he is, and today he proved it yet again. Um, Isaac success should have scored. It was a it was a cracking header, although he was unmarked. Some questions over how he managed to find himself a marked we'll get that in a second but great save then um, there's also a crack and save from Pereira mm. later on in the game um, for many Dubravka probably was one of the match and, and, and probably earned Newcastle a point yeah you'd have to say um, you know like, there weren't many players who necessarily had a 7 out of 10 today but he'd be right up there I think it's been a summer where there's been again speculation about his future and I know Lee Charlie's speaking to about four or five players the key nucleus of the squad about potential new deals and even though Dubravka's three years to run his deal you have to say he should be near the top of the list um, given what he's done in the 18 months since he joined initially on loan 
he uh, he's a keeper you can really trust. Um, I know he had that spell after the Wolves game last season and he had the mistake at Spurs, but you look at how he started this season, I think he's been quite solid. Um, and he's, he's one of those quiet leaders in, in the team. So I think you expect him to make the saves he makes. Um, that, that's where he's at at the moment. And you look at those stops from success and prayer, as you mentioned, um, as much as we feel in some ways Newcastle should have won today, we've seen here time and time again over the years them in games where they've lost being in that kind of position. So it, it, we can judge it, obviously, come the end of the season, whether it's a point gained or two loss, but certainly Dubravka could play this part. Steve Bruce described it as a, as a missed opportunity in his press conference, and I guess when you look at the stats, and I've mentioned them quite a few times over the past few weeks, but Watford were bottom. They'd lost their first three games of the Premier League season. They hadn't won since April. They hadn't kept a clean sheet. Um, surely, with taking all that into consideration, taking in that Newcastle played very well against Leicester, although they got beat in the League Cup, and they had an excellent performance against Spurs, surely you, you can agree with uh, Bruce on that and say yeah it is a missed, missed opportunity yeah I think the the goal was, was crucial because I think Watford even though they had that cup win midweek they took so much confidence from that goal um, because you know after 78 seconds it it throws Newcastle's game plan that they've worked on the past couple of days up in the air um, it sends shockwaves throughout the team and indeed the terraces so Watford took a lot of comfort from that and the thing is Newcastle had to come out probably more than they intended um, you've seen under Bruce they don't tend to dominate possession as much tend to counter more um, whereas here they really had to go and search for an equaliser and you're looking at that first half before um, right up until 35 minutes really there were so many gaps it was very ragged and you're thinking God this is already happening um, and Watford just, just grew from it and they put in a a decent display and thing about Watford is you know reached a cup final back in May um, it's so early in the season to be making judgments on managers and teams because you've got Chelsea and, and Man U who are one point ahead of Newcastle of course in the table it's barred the top two it's just been so unpredictable as you say you can beat Spurs one week and then be absolutely shocking at Norwich the week previously so I think this game in some ways is probably a better judge of where Newcastle are at that there are th- clearly things to iron out, as you saw in the first half. In the second half, encouragingly, you're seeing that bit of fight again that we've seen all week, really, where they've got a response. They hold it together, they regroup, and you know they get a point. It's better than nothing. But yeah, I think we all went into this uh, for once, kind of thinking they had a real chance of getting a win, and it wasn't to be. And then just finally, in the national break, then four points from the opening four games. Um, improvement needed but a foundation there to build on for the rest of the season yeah yeah definitely I think had they won it would have really been a a positive start I think no one could have said otherwise because um, you know to have had six points from your first four when you've played Spurs and Arsenal is really good going four isn't too bad is it Um, probably the manner to surprise people i.e. to to get a win at Spurs and then lose horribly at Norwich I don't think anyone predicted that but yeah, it's, it's a decent foundation. Obviously, you're looking ahead and you're thinking, right, Liverpool away, that's a really big ask, but you know they can at least put in a, a really strong defensive performance potentially. And if they do that at Anfield, they'll take confidence from that no matter the result. And then another huge home game against Brighton. So that'll be more similar again to what happened today. And that's one where you feel, particularly at home against those rivals, they're going to have to start winning those games. They're, they're must, lo- must not lose games but you do have to win them as well because you can't rely on beating a top six team like they did against Spurs much this season in my opinion 
there you have it thank you very much for joining us this has been everything is black and white podcast please remember to like and subscribe to whichever platform you listen to we'll be back on tuesday with a feature length episode so until then thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your weekend